Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of James by looking at James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the misery that is coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. This section of the letter of James is a prophetic word. It is a word of knowledge based on the knowledge that James has of God's will and the effect that rebelling against God's will can have on individuals. He's able to make a prediction. In the last episode, we looked at the fact that James was warning his readers about desiring to be rich. And in this section, he continues his thoughts by saying misery is coming upon you if that's your desire. He says that the rich should weep and howl. This is reminiscent of things that are said elsewhere in Scripture. Luke chapter 6, verse 24 says, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Jesus is telling rich folks there that material wealth doesn't translate into an eternal existence. So once this life is over, it's gone, and you've already received all the benefit that you can. There's nothing else. So if all your decisions are made based on how to accumulate more wealth, you're only doing things that have benefit for the time you have here. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Paul is telling Timothy that people who are chasing after money and wealth and trying to hoard that and find their security there are going to be tempted to take shortcuts, to mistreat people, to hang on to what they want. They're going to be tempted to stretch the bounds of honesty, to push the limits of decency, to make sure that they can accumulate more wealth and hang on to it. And Paul lets Timothy know the very thing that they're chasing to feel secure is the thing that will destroy them and bring them to ruin. But back in James, he says that the things that make people wealthy are rotten and moth-eaten. It reminds us of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. The material possessions that we accumulate only benefit us in this world. 
once we're done here and God calls us home, do we have anything stored up for that eternity? Jesus warns us against storing up things here. That causes James to say that these wealthy people have stored up treasure for the last days. We need to make sure we understand the irony that James has put into this phrase. He's basically saying, you've come to the end of your days, and what you have with you is material wealth. Those are the things that he says are going to be evidence against them in that final judgment. James says it's like standing trial, and you have your chance to defend yourself, and all of the evidence that you present actually shows that you're guilty and not innocent. He says that rust and corrosion will be witnesses against them. The fact that they put their trust, their hope, their sense of security into things that go away shows that they weren't really prepared for an eternity with God, that they didn't really trust God to bring them home for eternity. And it will be evident because of what they bring on that last day as evidence of the life they lived. But if rust and corrosion are the witnesses, what are the crimes that will be levied against them? James says that it's oppression, luxury, and indulgence, and even death. These are things that are talked about through Scripture as being evil and God abhorring them and God not wanting them in the life of his people and a warning coming with it saying to avoid chasing after material wealth. Jeremiah chapter 22 verse 13 says, Woe to him who builds his house without righteousness and his upper rooms without justice, who uses his neighbor's service without pay and does not give him his wages. Jeremiah says, you better be careful if you're building up your possessions and taking advantage of other people. Woe to him who builds his house without righteousness, without doing what's right, and those who add on to their houses without being just. And he gives an example of people who would use their neighbor, take things from their neighbor without paying and not be willing to pay the wages of folks that he's hired to help him. That's oppression. That's using your position to take something from someone else that you don't deserve or to withhold something from them that they deserve. Malachi chapter 3 verse 5 says, Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Here Malachi is giving a prophecy from God, saying that God would come near for judgment, and he was going to condemn sorcerers and adulterers and those who tell lies. And we get those, but look in the same list. Those who withhold or oppress people by withholding wages, those who oppress widows and orphans by not helping them out or maybe even making it difficult for them to get help from other places, and those who turn aside the alien, the immigrant, or the refugee. If you turn them aside, if you refuse them help, God is also going to pass judgment on those people. 
hoarding my possessions, being afraid that people are going to take them and not being willing to help widows, orphans, uh, refugees, and immigrants with what I have, God says I will bring judgment against that because you obviously don't fear me. And one more verse from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 24, verse 15 says, You shall give him his wages on the day before sunsets, for he is poor and sets his heart on it, so that he will not cry against you to the Lord, and it becomes sin in you. That's a commandment given to Israel. If you hire someone, if you are obligated to pay someone for work that they do, make sure you pay them on time because they're counting on that, especially poor people who need those wages. If you're withholding those for your own benefit and keeping it from people who need it, you're oppressing them. You're using your position to keep them from getting help. Each of the verses that I read deal with the oppression that can come from rich folks who withhold help from people who need it. But James also says, in addition to the crime of oppression, that these wealthy folks are often guilty of self-indulgence or living in luxury. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. I know in our time, when we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, we tend to talk about their sin as being homosexuality. But the sin that Scripture says Sodom was guilty of, the thing that caused them to be destroyed, was when they had abundance and things were going well, They didn't bother to help people who were less fortunate. And multiple places in Scripture remind Israel that they could come to the same fate as Sodom if they're not willing to help the poor and needy, especially when that lack of help is because I've decided that I want to live in luxury. I want to indulge myself, and I just don't think there's enough left over. Luke chapter 16, verse 19 says, Now, There was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. You may recognize this to the opening of the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And we know that this rich man ends up in hell, a place where his thirst can't be quenched, a horrible place that he doesn't want any of his friends or relatives to come to. And we're told that it's because of his wealth and his desire to only use that for himself that caused him to not be present in Abraham's bosom. Those people who are only concerned about their own pleasure, about their own self-indulgence, about their own comfort, about their own sense of security, are doing things that separate them from God because they're putting their trust in themselves to provide what they need rather than God. A third crime that James says that these wealthy people are guilty of is death. The way they're using their wealth is actually killing people. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 3 says, Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them, they take root, they grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. But you, O Lord, know me. You see me and test my heart toward you. Pull them out like 
sheep for slaughter and set them apart for a day of slaughter. Here, Jeremiah is questioning God, saying, why does it seem like wicked people prosper? It seems like you're actually giving them these things, and they give you lip service, but their heart's far from you. He reminds God that he's there. He can be counted on. And he asks God to pluck out these wicked people who give lip service to the Lord and destroy them. What's the connection here to what James is saying? James says that the way some of these folks are handling their wealth is actually causing the death of some people. People who are hungry aren't getting to eat. People are being taken advantage of and not getting a decent wage, and they can't feed their families. The work is hard, and it may be actually killing them, but they don't see another way out because rich folks are taking advantage oppressing poor people so that they can live in luxury and self-indulgence. And Jeremiah says the Lord is going to return the favor to these folks. They will experience death. As a matter of fact, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 6, but she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. There is a separation between us and God that comes when we refuse to take care of the people that he's given us to help. I understand we can't help everyone. We have limited resources and we want to do what's right by our families, but we also want to do the things that God's given us to do. And it can be difficult sometimes for us to make that decision. How much of what we have are we to be good stewards of and hang on and be able to pay bills and be able to take care of things that might come up in the future so that we're not a burden to others? And how much of what we have are we supposed to give away? It can create a little tension for us. But when we're trying to figure out how to please God, we're going to make the right choice a lot more often than if we're trying to figure out how can we please ourselves and still not make God mad. When we're committed to doing what we want, we're separating God from the process. And that separation from God is a death. And in the day of judgment, in that final day, it could result in an eternal death. So as we look at the prophecy of James and all that he has to say to the wealthy as he prepares them for misery, I think we should ask ourselves, who are the wealthy? Who are the people that James is warning? Is it possible that it's us? The reality is, as you listen to this podcast, you're probably among the wealthy because you have access to a podcast. If you have a roof over your head, clothes on your body, and enough food to keep you from being hungry, you're among the wealthy. Even some of the poorest among us are far wealthier than people in other countries around the world. In this present age, even if we can point to others who have more material wealth than us, even if we perceive that they have life better than us because of that, Paul tells Timothy to give this charge to the rich. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as 
a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by it some have swerved from the faith. Grace be to you. There's a lot in this paragraph that Paul wrote to Timothy that would be almost like a Rorschach test for most of us. We kind of see in there what we want to see. We assume that the rich are the people that have more than us. The people who participate in irreverent babble and contradictions and buy into a false knowledge are the other people, not me. But when we read Scripture, we need to be looking to see if it applies to us. We are a wealthy people. We have to make sure that we're using that wealth the way God intends it to be used, in a way that stores up treasure for eternity, not just in this life. We can't buy in to the class warfare that goes on in our society sometimes, where very often those who are rich and in power stay rich and in power by pitting different groups of poor people against each other. We have a responsibility not to give in to the politics of our society, but to give in to God and do the things he's called us to. He promises us that's the best way to live, and it stores up for us treasure in heaven. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.